Um, we've been looking at series, so a couple of series. Apologies, I've missed, well, I think, one or two uh, immense uh, meetings, which I'll uh, try and catch up with. Um, but one of the things that I believe that the Lord uh, was speaking to me, I think, in the first week of August was when he laid this in my heart. And when we were dealing with the second section of this series, it was yeah. too strong, you know, and I was so, so eager to release it out. And then when it got moved and everything, I still have felt that that's what the Lord wanted me to do. So we'll be reading a couple of uh, messages today, like uh, scriptures, to kind of land things. And I'll see if I can finish in 30 minutes, and then we can listen to our uh, uh, questions and, and, and then the video clip as well, and uh, land everything. So today we are talking about what you choose to do with me speaks volume about who and who's you are you know when you look at that word who and who's you are when we say that god was that we are created in the image of god and in his likeness that is sums up who god is image of god and his likeness so meaning that we should have a likeness of god we should, we should have the same mindset the same where he thinks is the same way we should think and that way say who and who's your are is if money should talk what kind of personality are you what kind of human being are you what kind of character do you possess so this message i titled it um, passing the money exam if there is an exam that the money can write how do we pass it and i need like one or two people that can volunteer to omit themselves to read passages as quick as possible just so that will be very fast because okay. i'll be reading the passages or if you can't talk if you can just quickly type the passage and write it on the chat i can be able to read it out and uh, we can go from there um psalms 11 verse 5 is it yeah, the, um, preferred translation no 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 I, I i don't have any anyone is fine hopefully uh i'll remember we'll, we'll get there Anyone is fine by me. Okay. Psalm 11, verse 5, yeah? The Lord the Lord. Go on. I love it. I love the that. The Lord the righteous, but the wicked and the one who loves violence is so it. So the Lord tests the righteous. So when I say passing, the money exam, the, uh, I think it's the NLT or something, which is what I normally use, uses the word examine. The Lord examines the righteous, you know. Uh, uh, the Lord is also checking what the righteous are doing. But the Lord really hates the godless. He also hates the people that love to hurt other people. That's a lovely one. So that means that money tests, that God is also interested to see what you're using the money to do. Yeah. If the Lord actually tests the righteous, that means the Lord is interested to see what am I actually using the money to do. So if money could talk to God, what is money going to say to God that you are, who are you, and whose are you? And one of the tests of this uh, passage is, is uh, one of the reasons God tests us is that it's, it kind of locates an area of weakness to help us. Because when we see that this is your weakness, he helps you in, a, in, in, in that weakness. I think Genesis 22 verse 2. Um, um, explains um, a, a bit of that, you know, if you add a scripture to it, it helps us to 
we, we, God kind of tests us with the things we love and the things that we value so much. Like the case of Abraham, he said, bring Isaac, your son, whom you love, and sacrifice him. And God will not test you with something that is not competing in your heart. I'll give an instance. If you, if, uh, if you, if you're in, if you've got like, if you're in pounds, let me use that, we're in pounds in the UK, and you've got like 50 pounds uh, a network, and then someone just says, oh, I lost 500 naira. You you are not going to be crazy or mad at that person for losing 500 naira or, from, or if you're 500 naira. But if the person comes and say, oh, I just lost 10 pounds or 20 pounds of you, you are going to be like, why would you lose that? Or if the person say, oh, there was a program in church, I had to take 20 pounds out of your money, even if it's your wife or your husband, you'll see that your reaction to that will be like, Oh, why didn't you call me? Why didn't you tell me that? Like, you know, and all that. So now we're going to be looking at the different type of tests or different type of exam that money tests test us in. And one of the tests is the, uh, the priority and uh, value system test. The priority and value system. So if you want to see a person's value system, the first way to check is how do they spend their money? You see people that are very crazy. Um, I don't want to call uh, some some people that I know that shops a lot in Amazon. Uh, 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 in, in our pastor, you know, she she likes uh, shopping and shopping and shopping, you know. But if you want to see people's priorities, that uh, there's nothing wrong in shopping. The good thing about her is that she shops to give to people, so which is good. But uh, when you when you want to see where is your value system, where is your priority, that's where you spend your money. And that is one of the things. If money should say, who are you? Are you a kind of person you know, that shopping for you, 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 you? Or are you shopping for people? Or are you shopping for the kingdom? Are you using your money for kingdom advancement? Or are you using it for just you, yourself and I, or your family? So that is one of the things that if money test does. It's what it tests your value system. It tests your priority, what you prioritize is one of the things that money tests. The problem of us not giving is because of our priority. I'll give an instance. When, when you go with a person that you claim that you love mm -hmm. and you have the money, you have the money, and the person say, I want this. I, I, I remember uh, uh, someone, uh, uh, a relative of mine, and they wife-to-be said oh she's going to serve in the northern part of nigeria and he was like no you can't take a bus to that place you have to take a flight no matter how much the flight is you have to fly that is because you that woman is top-notch in your priority is god top-notch in your priority and the way we will know it is is not by saying oh god you are all that i have is that where do you spend your money? Where is God in your money? Mm. How many percentage of your money goes to the kingdom things, to, to the things of God? Who are you? If that money should talk, is that money being spent on just things that will benefit just you? Or is that money spent on things that will benefit the kingdom and others? Remember the story of a young a, a, a young ruler. I think that would be Luke chapter. I think I wrote it down. 
Luke chapter 18, verse 22. I hope I'm right. Or either Luke chapter 16, 11, one of them talked about a young lad that the Lord said, I think it's Luke 11, 18, verse 22, verse 22 to 23. He says, you should go and sell everything that you have and give it to the, to the uh, poor. And where did the man go? The man ran away. What is our value system? Where is our priority? Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 23, the Lord was speaking to the people of Israel. He told them about how to, how they should give. Some of those things, when God said, give 10% of your income, it's just to help you as a person. It's just to help you to keep check of what you're using your money to do. It says 10% and keep 90. But even the 10%, some people are not meeting up to it. One of the things that the money does is the heart test. The heart test is another test that money also tests us, tests us with. So God uses the treasure to locate where our heart is. I think Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, it says that where your treasure is, that is where your heart is. Now look at money as a treasure. Where your money is, is where your heart is. I was listening to a man of God and he said something that, um, uh, why is it that when you're going on the on in the shop and someone hits your tummy, you don't shake, but the moment someone touches the back pocket of your trouser where your wallet is, the next thing your mind flies back and you try to check to be sure that your wallet is still there. What is the connection between the back of our pockets and our heart? Because where your heart is is where your riches is. So one of the things that God uses to examine us, or one of the things that we used to check if we're passing the money test is, where is our heart? If God should ask you for everything, like a young ruler, the, uh, the, young, uh, rich, uh, the, the young rich man that God spoke to in Luke chapter 18, if God should say that you should sell everything, that you have everything that you have worked everything you have labored for if he asks you to sell all of them and bring it to him for kingdom advancement would you do that and then we also look at the character test the character test we see that our character is very very important money brings our character they say it's either the lack of money brings out your true character or the, the uh, uh, so much money also bring out your true character. Because we have things like you, you have people saying, I've got, uh, oh, they, they, they are very humble, you know, when they don't have much. Or people, when they are very poor, they just want to make money at all means. And with some people, when they make money, they are very, very arrogant. The true character acts of apostles chapter 5 verse 5 to 7 we see the story of um ah what's his name again or oh, ananias and sapphire you see they gave the money out initially but when they went to sell the land they said oh we're going to sell the land and give it out and when they went to sell the land probably the land appreciated and when they saw how much that they have made from the land when they saw the money the next thing that they thought about was, wow, are we going to give all this money out? It became a true test of their character. If you have not seen money, 
like money that is not your own and you want to, that you've got the opportunity to steal it and nobody will trace you to it. That is when you know if you've got the real character or not. And then we'll talk about trust. How do we handle money? If you look at First Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, if someone can help me put it down, please. First Timothy chapter 1, and then I'll just end in this number 4 so that we can be able to um, take questions and then put a bit of uh, interaction to this. So First Timothy 6, verse 17, I think it's, was, it's where it's talking about uh, the values of uh, uh, don't put your trust in, in the money. I'll check it since nobody. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. Okay, so it says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is unreliable. Their trust should be in God who gives us all, all we need for our enjoyment. Don't be, don't put your trust in what, in the money that you have. And I'll give you a very simple example. I was in Nigeria uh, 10 years ago. I was in Nigeria. If you had given me 100,000 Naira, I would be like, bro, I'll be so happy. 10 years ago, as 2012, I would have been very happy. I would have been the talk of town. I would have probably be going with some traditional uh, dramas all over the place. <laughs> Fast forward to uh, five, uh, 10, years, 10 years now, after that 10 years ago, if I have put my trust in that 10,000 Naira that I have, 100,000 Naira, if I go to Nigeria now with the same 100,000 Naira, I can't even buy a, a, a bag of rice and then I, can't, I may not even be able to cook a, a proper soup for two more, or one month with that money. What has changed? The value of that money have changed. Mm -hmm. We need to trust in what? In the God that provides that money and not put your trust in what? in that money because that money is the lowest of the riches that we have in the kingdom we have wisdom we have lots of riches money uh, is the lowest and that's why god is using money to test us when you are able to pass this money test if god should give you loads of money and he knows that your character is not going to be affected he knows that your uh, trust is not going to be affected he knows that your value system is top notch that you put in the kingdom as top notch then he's able to trust you why did god love david he said that i know that david will do what is right in short abraham he said that i chose abraham because i know he will teach his sons my way and they said Abraham was the richest man. Job was the richest man in the whole Asia. Why are we where we are? It's because when money speaks, if money can talk, what will money say? Will money say, ah, don't give him, don't give him too much of meal because he's going to stop going to church. Don't give him so much of meal because he's going to start disrespecting his elders. Don't give him so much of me because he's going to disregard kingdom values. Don't give him so much of me because he's going to join a clique, a gang of rich people that don't go to church and they just go to golf on Sundays. 
who are you going to be if money should talk? What's your character? Who is whose are you and who are you? I started by saying that a human being is comprised by different qualities. And that is what talks about the who and the who's are you. What are you putting your trust in? The pounds may be a strong currency now, but it takes it wasn't a, a strong currency a thousand years ago. During the time of Joseph, it was Egypt. At the time, it went to Babylon. At the time, it went to Greek. It was going that way. It went to Romans. It went to America. And it's one day going to come to Africa. So money, it is not reliable. But one thing is that money is a tool. Money itself is not evil. But money is a tool that can be used by good and bad. For good and for bad. If it's used by the good people, it's used for good. And if it's used by the bad people, is used for bad. Pray that God will help us that our bank accounts will not deprive us from worshipping God. Amen. Our bank accounts will not deprive us. If you can just take one minute for everybody, just meditate on the word and ask God that my bank accounts, may my bank account not deprive me from worshipping God. I didn't talk about our devotion, how the money test is the devotion, our faith, our devotion, our faithfulness. Sometimes you're praying to God, you are doing your money devotion and you're thinking about who you are owing. You're thinking about, oh, how am I going to pay off this bill? How am I going to pay off this thing? Why you are devoting and talking to God? I want us to genuinely ask God wherever you are. Ask God, Father, Lord, help me that the money, the bank account, it may be large, it may be small. Remember what I said, you may be very poor, you may be very rich. May it not affect my relationship with you. May it not affect my value system. May it not affect my character, my trust. And as and Sapphire, when they gave out the land, it was so easy for them to give out that land. But when they now sold the land and saw the money, they saw the money, like how much the money is, they began to say, ah, for me, it has happened to me when when I'll be like, oh, I'm going to give 100 pounds. And by the time I convert 100 pounds to now, I'm beginning to say, oh, when I say that in the exchange rate was low, but now the exchange rate has risen up. How are we able to pass that test? I pray that God will help us, Holy Spirit, to expand this world and that he will help us to answer any questions or any clarification that we'll have after now. In Jesus' name, amen. For in Jesus' mighty name we've prayed. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Dr. K. Um, I know some of us will have questions for him. Should we take Q&A now, Dr. K, or should we watch the clip and then take the questions together? Sir, anyone is fine. Anyone is fine, sir. Okay, let's, let's watch the clip first, and then based on how much time we have left, we'll take all the questions we have after that. So I'll share my screen, um, and we'll get started. It's tough being someone's money. I feel like I have so much to offer and yet I'm underutilized. I'm stretched too thin. There's no margin. 
I mean, they're completely ignored or people are pushing me in directions I don't wanna go in. I can provide so much more meaning to people beyond power boats or fancy shoes or new watches. I just want what's best for people, all right? I want them living the dream. Well, what would that look like? Terry, <laughs> great to hear from you. Man, every Monday like clockwork, it's wonderful. Guinea pigs do need saving. Yes, I think giving 5% is a great place to start. You know what you and Melody need? You need to take some time away from the kids and enjoy yourselves. Take that vacation. You blew out both tires at once? Oh my goodness. The good news is, is that that's why we have our emergency savings. Isn't it amazing? Savings, check. Giving, check. So guess what? Now you get to go spoil yourself. You know, go get something fun, like repaint that house. Go get that car. Uh, buy that new phone. Consume your heart out. Not to burst your bubble, but do you really feel like that's realistic? Excuse me. Hello? Yes, uh, just a moment. It's for you. <sighs> this money. Karen! 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 <laughs> you called back! Oh my goodness, what's going on? Congratulations! You've been saving long and hard for that house. That's amazing. And you got a great rate. <laughs> Even better. You're the best. <laughs> no, no, you're the best. Okay, all right, we got a lot of work to do, all right? Okay, thank you. All right, so what we're gonna do is, first off, we're gonna make sure we get that homeowner's insurance. Gotta plan for that property tax, a lawn maintenance plan. Have you had someone look at your gutters yet? That's gonna be really important. Cable and internet is definitely a must so we can entertain the guests. Uh, oh, you know what? Uh, another thing that I was thinking for fire insurance. Something they don't think. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, don't forget your umbrella policy, that's important. Okay, you know what, Doc? She's gone. You are the best. Next time, let's talk about you, you know? You gotta up your rate. You know, we all know this ain't cheap. I gotta go, you're a genius, okay. Therapy works. Welcome back to If Money Talked, where we are letting the money do the talking. I hope you've continued to spy on your money. In fact, I hope that becomes a habit for life. And I hope you've begun thinking and maybe even spending more like a manager than an owner. And perhaps after our last session together, you've taken some steps in the direction of give, save, and live. As we wrap up, I wanna leave you with a big question. A question that on the surface doesn't seem to have anything to do with money, but in the end, you'll discover it has everything to do with money. And it's actually a question that Jesus sets up with a parable. This is one of my favorite parables Jesus told, perhaps because many years ago, this was the parable God used to redirect my thinking as it relates to my personal finances. Here's what he said. He said, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. So let's stop right there. Here's a rich guy who now has even more wealth because the ground produced an abundant harvest. The ground which, by the way, he had no control over. Jesus continues, the rich man thought to himself, what shall I do? I mean, this was a problem, right? What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and I will build bigger barns and there I will store my, notice the word, surplus, my extra grain. Now, on the surface, it doesn't seem like we have anything in common with this lucky fellow, but just below the surface, well, let me ask you this. Have you ever had a garage sale? Yeah. Have you ever carried a load or two or 20 to Goodwill? Right. Have you ever had a hard time finding a place in the attic or the basement for something you weren't using anymore because the attic or basement was already full of stuff you weren't using anymore? 
So yeah, we may have more in common with this fellow than first meets the eye. Back to the parable. I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Which is really a great plan if you think about it. I mean, it's kind of the goal, isn't it? It's the American dream, right? Have enough money to buy whatever you want now. Save enough so that you can retire and buy whatever you want later. And if you've really done things right, you'll have enough to make sure your kids are taken care of as well. If you can do all of that, you've pretty much won, right? I mean, you're blessed, right? Well, so thought everybody in Jesus' audience. And then Jesus surprised them with this. But God said to him, the rich man, you fool. It's like, what? I mean, everybody in Jesus' audience is taken aback, just like you probably were the first time you read this parable. I mean, he achieved the goal. He's living the dream. Um, clearly, there's some kind of disconnect. But God said to him, you fool, this very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then, and listen to this question, then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? In other words, you are out of time, even though you're not out of grain. You are out of time, even though you're not out of money. And that's going to be the story for most of us, isn't it? We've talked about this. For most of us, because of family support or pensions or 401ks or decent investing, we're actually going to run out of time before we run out of money. So the question that God asked the rich guy is really a question for all of us. Then God asked him, then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And the answer is somebody else. But not because this guy was generous, because this guy was dead. He didn't give it. He just left it. Now, at this point, Jesus pulls out of the parable and he addresses his audience. And well, he addresses us as well. And here's what he said. This is how it will be. This, this thing that I just described and illustrated, this is how it will be. Total, complete loss. Everything, as in everything was left behind. He ate, he drank, he was married, and then he died. Nothing meaningful to show for his life. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Jesus is not teaching against preparing for the future. Here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying this is how it will be for anyone who only prepares for their future and is not rich towards God. This is how it will be for anyone who embraces the consumption assumption, the assumption that everything that comes my way is for my consumption. That's the mistake the rich man made. He built bigger barns because he thought it was all for him. And in the end, total loss. Do you remember what money told us back in part one? Money said, I can add meaning to your life, but I'm not the meaning of life. I can add meaning to your life, and that's the right lens. That's how we should view our money. Money can add meaning to our life because money is a tool. And when we use money as a tool, it adds meaning to our life. The rich man, he never realized this. He thought his money was a gift, not a tool, an entitlement, a reward to sit back and enjoy. Jesus teaches that our money is a tool and that's why it can add meaning to our life. So here's the question I mentioned up top, the one that at first glance seems to have nothing to do with money. Here it is. To what ends do you want your life to be a means? To what ends do you want your life to be a means? If something is not a means to an end, it has no meaning. That's what it means to have meaning. It has no purpose. It's the rich man's life. His wealth was not a means to anything other than himself. And in the end, he had nothing to show for himself but himself. So his life, even with all of his wealth, had no meaning. So when he was gone, as Jesus said, 
total loss. Again, for something, including your life, for something to have meaning, it must be a means to an end. So, to what ends do you want your life to be a means? Here's another way to ask that same question. What do you want people to celebrate about you when you're gone? Or my wife Sandra's version of that question is this, what do you want people to line up and thank you for in the end? Most people never stop to ask those kinds of questions. Perhaps you haven't either. I don't know how you'd answer it, but I know how you wouldn't answer it. But I know you wouldn't say, well, for me, it's all about accumulation, consumption, and upgrades, right? I mean, here's the thing. If you don't figure this out, life will figure it out for you. Your appetites, your desire for more, bigger, newer, shinier will dictate the answer to that question. Culture will pull you toward the she ate, she drank, she was merry, and she died. Nobody chooses that on purpose. That's why the meaning question really is about your money. Money is a tool. It's a tool that can add meaning to your life. So let me break this down and make it practical. Last time we were together, I said that the best way to prioritize financially is to give first, save second, and then live on the rest. That is, reprioritize around generosity rather than consumption. Take the thing that's usually last on our list, giving, and move it to the top of the list. And I suggested this because of what Jesus said, where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. Now, this is the brilliant thing about that statement. It's a principle that actually works both ways. In other words, if you'd like to change where your heart is, you just change where your money is going. And here's something I've been suggesting to people for years. When you decide where to give, give from a grateful heart and give from a broken heart. Give from a grateful heart and a broken heart. Here's how that works. Choose an organization that you're really grateful for. You're grateful because of what it's done for you and your family, and then give a portion of your giving money there first, your local church, your kid's school, whatever it might be. Then choose an organization or two that addresses a need that breaks your heart. For Sandra and I, those are organizations that support foster care and foster kids. For you, it may be an organization that does something overseas or maybe a local hospital or a nonprofit committed to curing a particular disease. And every time you get paid, you send them a check. That's what it looks like to give from a grateful heart and a broken heart. But the key is to decide ahead of time. Like we said last time, pick a percentage of your income and give it right off the top to the organizations you're grateful for and to the organizations that address things that break your heart. Now, giving first may sound crazy, and from a certain perspective, it is crazy. But it's a better version of crazy than spending everything on you and having nothing to show for it in the end, right? Crazy is living as if your life consisted in the accumulation of stuff and of wealth. Crazy is leaving your kids a bunch of stuff they're gonna sell or throw away. So one more time, to what ends do you want your life to be a means? You should know the answer to that question before you spend yourself into a position where you can't address what matters most to you. Skip that question and you'll just follow your money. You'll settle for me first living with a little leftover giving, and that would be a shame. Jesus says that would be a total loss. It would be a shame because all you'll have to show for yourself is yourself. But when you identify and embrace your answer to our big question, your money will follow. You'll begin to view everything you own, everything that comes your way as a tool you can use to add meaning to your life and meaning to the lives of others as well. So come on. Let's get this right. Let's listen when money tells us, I can add meaning to your life, but I'm not the meaning of life. The moment you think you own me, I actually own you. My direction reveals your ultimate affection 
And the final thing, the final thing our money might say is this, something we've touched on throughout our time together. What you choose to do with me speaks volumes about who and whose you are. So I hope you'll live like a manager, not an owner. I hope you'll give and save before you live. And in the process, I hope you'll discover the peace and contentment Jesus talked about when Jesus talked about money. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Thank you, so. Thank you, Dr. Kingsley. Thank you, everyone. Um, very explicit and loaded. So, oh, sorry. Yeah. Questions and answers um, within the very short time that we have left. Any final thoughts, final questions, final contributions? And Dr. K would apostates together. Why are we all quiet? <laughs> Lots of stuff to think about. I think Where's Dr. Good? Henry just submitted, yeah. All right, Henry. Uh, I mean, for me, like two things that stood out to me uh, from the video clip would be, one is what would you be remembered for when you are no more mm -hmm. and it's just this um thought about like i mean when he was narrating uh, the parable by jesus um so the guy left all he accumulated not because he was trying to be generous and like that but first uh, no, not first but he died basically <laughs> mm -hmm. and he couldn't um he couldn't enjoy all that but i'm just thinking like he could have made wealth with or made profits with that same position that he left without anything and it reminds me of the parable again in i think it was luke 18 about the shred uh, servant or shred master so when he just said that he made profit or uh, he made friends from his uh position that he had so, although from his um dodgy ways he still like made connections from that so i feel like the rich man could have also like made deposit of um investment that would speak for him later and we see an example of that with um dockers and a couple of them asked the apostles that through their good works even though they were dead they had um good works their good works are still speaking for them yeah, yeah. and the other thing that actually like stuff me again was the side of giving from a grateful heart and from a broken heart as well mm -hmm. and I feel like a lot of times we practice the grateful side, like giving to church and all that. I mean, for some reason, it's one of these. Um, sometimes during the week, I stumbled on a video about the ten. Was it? I don't. The title, I think the title was ten worst prisons in in Africa, yeah. and the video was very inhuman. Like, <laughs> yeah. So I feel like that's one of the side of like, um, other side of broken hearts, because like that's like human beings like us um, going through all that and mm -hmm. i also like try to say this like i don't know if anyone has any link to a charity that works with prisons in africa or nigeria anywhere um i'm happy to like uh, if they could share that i'll be happy with that that's good thank you very much very practical application points um sister nika is not here she was at the last meeting she asked the question um where she was talking about the fact that 
can we just say, you know, especially if you've been in the UK or you are in the UK and you have people elsewhere in the world, say in Africa, that would always reach out to say, can you help us with this? We need money for this. We need money for that. And all those generosity that is not even cheerful, but you're just giving because you are being pressured to give. Um, that Can we categorize that as charitable donations <laughs> in that sense? Like if I've done that, then do I still need to give anything? At least I can enjoy what I have left. Um, but I think the framework of giving from a grateful heart and a broken heart trumps that. There was a statement that um, Andy Stanley made in that video that if you don't make this decision as to what means your, I mean, what ends your life will be a means to, or your money will be a means to, you will discover that life will choose those decisions for you. And sometimes how that happens is that all these unsolicited needs and requests will just start popping up. And in many cases, you feel obliged mm. or pressured to respond to mm. them such that by the time you have responded to all those things, even the things that really matter to you, you don't have anything to <coughs> to them again. And so that would mean that we need to be intentional. However young we may be, I'm glad for the teenagers and misters that are hearing things like this now, because I think this is a good time for you to start getting a grasp of of what the whole money thing is about before you start chasing money in a manner of speaking or you start working and earning it gives you a good foundational framework to think through issues like that from and if we can master that i think we will do god proud That's any other questions just, can, just, okay. can i just say something a yeah, bit on that malachi chapter 3 verse 10 mm. uh, which is a popular and uh, tight, tight uh, story. let me <laughs> Let me read it in New King James. And it says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. Remember, he said you should give it, put him to test. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and there will be no room, I'm just jumping. Verse mm -hmm. 11, very important. I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of the ground, mm. nor shall the vine bear the fruits for you and the field. And we know what the devil does. He's there to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Mm. And God is saying that I will rebuke that devil on your behalf if mm. you bring in your tithes. So if you don't bring in your tithes into the storehouse, mm. the thing that God that happens is that the protection of God will leave your finances. This rotation will leave your finances and then the devil will be able to come. So yeah. something will share it. So he may not eat the 10%. He may not eat more than 10%. An example is Job. When the edge that God kept on Job left him, the devil came and cleared everything yeah. that he had. Yeah. So, so this is what happens. that When you don't practice your kingdom stewardship, yeah. you know, then the problems will take that money away from you. Mm. 